I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Today on First Lady and Friends, we had a great conversation with Liz Maurer and Mike Maurer. They are two of my very dear friends. Uh, Mike is a senior advisor of community outreach and intergovernmental affairs for Utah governor, my husband. And Liz has been working with me on my show up initiative. She is an incredible activist. She does amazing things in the refugee community and at the humanitarian center. Can't wait for you to take a listen. Let's get proximate. Welcome back to First Lady and Friends. We are here today with two of uh, my, it's it's America's fun couple. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Pressure's on. They, this is two of my dearest, dearest friends, uh, Mike Maurer and Liz Maurer. Um, they are just active in the community. Um, Mike has been in several governor's uh, administrations. Uh, he currently serves as the Senior Advisor of Community Outreach and Intergovernmental Affairs. <laughs> Got it all in? The more words, the more important. That's, That's what I like to think about a title. <laughs> and Liz Maurer has been a community activist and been working really hard in the refugee community, um, works in the nonprofit sector, and um, just does incredible work with our – you both do a lot of work in our interfaith communities – um, what else? We can just keep going on and on. You guys, I can read your whole bios, but Let's we can. Not. <laughs> Mike wrote mine. I don't know what's in there. Well, um, hey, we appreciate being on the show and, and we love the work that you're doing as uh, Utah's first lady and are so excited with the continual focus on service and in reaching out to the community as, as a bit of background, um, I serve as the governor's, um, as you noted, senior advisor with focus on a lot of the community outreach. Specifically in the office, I oversee the boards and commissions. We have 400 boards and commissions in the state. We're always looking for good people to serve. So if you're a listener and you want to serve, reach out. And we uh, also get all the comments and calls that come in. And that varies depending on kind of what the hot issue of the day is. But on an average week, we can get to eight eight to 900 calls and emails on a busy week. We can get, you know, several thousand just depending on what the topic is. So I work with the small team there and then kind of travel around the state meeting with a lot of groups um, and kind of represent the governor and, and lieutenant governor to a lot of different organizations here in Utah. And you do a phenomenal job and you are uh, basically related to the entire state, right? <laughs> I found out, and this is thanks to our unique Utah historical family patterns, but when Roots Tech came up last week, I looked down and I had 58,260 relatives. And so <laughs> I knew that's it. a you are lot related. of cousins. So that's a lot of cousins. So I try not to talk smack about people because I'm either related to them or definitely somebody that I know is related to them and, and word will get back. So that's kind of – He calls them all cousins. All yes. cousins. <laughs> they're all my cousins. All my you, cousins. you and all the Samoans, they yeah. are, they're all, <laughs> cousins all cousins as well. We're all cousins. I love it. 
Liz, you were, I didn't know you were born in Tallahassee, Florida. I did. My dad taught at Florida State, so we're Seminoles fans. And um, he eventually took a job with my grandfather in Ventura. We moved to Ventura, did elementary school in Ventura. Um, he helped sell his, or train the doctors on using my grandfather's medical equipment. And then the pull to come back to Salt Lake, that's where my, my mom's family was, was there. So by high school, junior high, high school, I was here. I graduated from Murray High School, so yeah. But yeah. so Utah's home, but yeah, I have roots in other spots, and it's it's kind of fun to be able to say that. My know. my boys were born in my two eldest were born in Virginia, and they're always they think it's really cool. It does that they give us depth because Utah <laughs> tends to stay in Utah, and so it makes me exotic a little bit. Yes, <laughs> very <Not> really, but <laughs> well, in your family, um, tell tell us a little bit about because you you mentioned that your grandpa had a medical device, so you're. You're a Sorensen, or your mom was a Sorensen, right? From right. The- so I am. I am Jim and Beverly Sorensen's oldest grandchild. So I'm one of forty-seven, and and proud to be there. They were great mentors of mine, and and part of maybe what I'll talk about today will interweave with what I learned from them and um, some of the opportunities it gave me, but also just the the examples that I saw them. Yeah, you know. So that's yeah. Amazing. Well, maybe we begin, Mike, a little bit with our background about how we we have a little bit of a unique story, Mike yeah. and I. Yeah, we wanted to hear this because we want to kind of go in the way back machine. Let's let's start with Mike. Let's start. You grew up. As I grew up in Fairland, Utah. I <laughs> yes. am totally proud of my wonderful hometown of Farron. So I grew up in Farron, Utah, milking cows at the Lemons Dairy uh, to distinguish it from the other four dairies that were there in Farron at the time. Graduated of Emory County High School, then went to BYU, U of U Law School. Uh, was married my third year of law school to Sherry. Uh, we had four children. I was living in Provo, and she passed away from cancer. And I was working for Mayor Billings at the time and was then hired to work uh, for Governor John Huntsman and started on his first day on the job. And, and uh, you know, the Huntsmans are a wonderful couple and, and uh, really think highly of them. And it was while I was there as a single dad with four kids that one day Neil Ashdown, his chief of staff, called me into the office and closed the door behind me. You never know what happens when the chief of staff calls you in. And he said, hey, um, I have somebody for you to date. And I says, I don't think I'm ever going to date again. I'm, you know, I've got my hands full with four little kids. And he's like, no, you really need to go out with Liz. She is my uh, one of my wife's best friends from high school, Andrea. And so I uh, and, and then he says, oh, by the way, she's a Sorensen. And I, you know, that name carried some cachet. And I was like, I'm a kid from Farron. We don't have a stoplight in the entire county that I grew up in. We since have one in Huntington. But at the time, we didn't have a stoplight in all of Emory County. I don't know if we're really matched up for each other. He says, well, you at least need to go out with her. And so I gave her a call. Right. And and I, I laugh and I'll – you know, I, I – People throw this around a lot about being a Sorensen, and, and it is certainly part of me, and it sh- helped shape me. But I've never been defined by it. It's never been anything that has, uh, you know. I, I give the well, I don't accept to maybe maybe my own detriment sometimes that I could have, you know, ridden the wave a little bit maybe. But like I just, it was never it was never part of me. When 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 I did a study abroad in in um, college, I went to Israel, and my grandfather was friends when I left. He's friends with the mayor Teddy Kolak of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And so he gave me Teddy Kolak's personal line and said, when you get over there, I want you to give him a call, tell him you're my granddaughter, and he'll have you in to lunch. And I thought, well, that's really embarrassing. I'm not going to do that. You know, <laughs> like, I don't matter. I'm I'm not – it's not – I was just not – and so 
dumb me to never even call them. And now I look back and think, okay, I really had a great opportunity to meet like a world leader. And I didn't because I just wasn't defined by this idea that like that made me somehow more special. And I just didn't see, I don't know. So even though people might say behind me that, I, oh, she's a Sorensen, she's a Sorensen. I grew up very normal. We drove our our family vacations were in the station wagon to Idaho Falls. And, you know, one time in high school, we went to Disney World because grandpa took all of us. But I had a pretty normal upbringing and and so um the, so mike didn't know that about me but we we met we went out a couple times um he invited me to the state of the state and it was a little bit much it was not ready to be very romantic <laughs> i know i was not ready to go in front of everybody and be his girl yet so i kind of said we gotta not see each other for a little bit and so we took a little break and then i don't know if i i thought i'm gonna run into him at some benefit or something i got a I got to bridge this gap. So I called him again and he asked me out again and we dated for a year. And at one point we um, did the math or I did the math. He always says he was never any good at math, but on what ages our kids would be because I had two. I was divorced and had two children um, that I had full custody of. And so they were with us all the time. And um, we about walked, shook hands and walked away. Mm. When we married, our kids were six, seven, eight, nine. 11 and 13. Mm-hmm. And then we just decided, you know, it wasn't crazy enough. So we just add a baby to the mix. So, <laughs> and, was, and we're so glad you did. We're so glad. Yeah. That's our, our uh, 12 year old Grace. And we love her with all our heart. So she's the best. <laughs> yeah. So then the fun really began. We were a party. I, in let the me party clarify that. She's, I mean, she's the best, meaning they're all the best. All the kids are the best. We don't have favorites. <laughs> so if, if oh, the kids <laughs> listen, let me clarify. But if there uh, was kind of, one. Yeah. <laughs> She also, would be theirs as well. I know. We had, in fact, at one point, my mom had a. We were having some artwork done, and we had an art, uh, an art local artist do a picture of Grace, and I just wanted a small little one. Well, he did this giant, huge one, and brought. And it's original art, so you can't like. It's not like a, you know. Can we size, size that down a little? And I was like, she's not the queen of France. We can't. So he actually had to do another one for us that was smaller. And Mike puts the just the other like a few weeks ago. He's like, I'm sick of this being in storage. We're putting it up. And so she has like the queen of France picture of herself up. In in a room, but the other kids just roll their eyes. Yeah. That's, That's fantastic. I love it. So after, so after you you just you were about to walk away, you counted up all the kids' ages, and you said, "We'll go for it anyway. Let's jump." Yeah, and we really, I think the one plus one always made sense. The the t- three plus five was a little bit more daunting. Um, and, and nobody asked to be, I mean, this, it, they've all come from something traumatic, from a divorce, from a death. I mean, nobody is yeah. kind of coming into this thinking like, oh, let's start over the whole dynamic and let's mm-hmm. begin this thing again. It was, it was tricky and you would have been hard pressed to find two different family styles blending each other. Mm-hmm. I, my situation had brought me to a point where I had made it very structured. Um, I was very structured just in order to kind of make sense of in my divorce and everything. It, it that's what how I coped. And Mike's situation with his wife having breast cancer made it so that he went to a very unstructured. And so it was... It, it was, was kind of like raising feral cats. I, I would I mean, never I, call I, your kids feral cats. But, kids but it was kind of, yeah, the, we jokingly say at Liz's house, the TV was on one hour a day. At mine, it was on, uh, it was only off one hour a day. And that's when I would turn it off before I, the TV that they fell asleep in front of on my way to work. Very different structure to cope. And, you know, the, the, the kids were loved. And I know. I don't even know well if the kids know of. this, but a few months into the marriage, the house behind our house 
went up for sale and I came to Mike and said, okay, I'm considering we can maybe put an offer in and get that house and the kids will sleep here still, but just like after school, they have another place they can go to and they can have their own space and we have our own space and then we'll come together for dinner and go to bed. And ultimately we decided not to do it, but it was tempting. Yeah, But they were, they're great kids and anyone who's been through a blended family and there are a lot out there realize, oh, it has a lot of unique challenges and blessings. And we're in a totally different place now. And, and at one point we had seven children in seven different schools. So we're all mm. about school choice, whatever works for that kid. But we've we've had public, private, charter, you name it. Uh, Liz has driven them to and from there. So wow. it's been fun. Yeah. You know, Spencer's family is a blended family as well. Mm-hmm. And so I've talked, you and you and his mom, Lisa, would have a lot to talk about. We have talked before to this, actually. <laughs> and uh, so I, it, it's an interesting thing. And he, he was the oldest of of the whole gang and um he has a lot of stories of some really difficult times that you know that they had and um just just it's i don't think anybody does that and comes out without you know some really some bruises and some yeah and some learning and yeah. growth yeah he was about the same age as our daughter he wasn't he about 13 or so I, he was daughter, 11 when 11. they were married okay. Yeah, tw- uh, ten when when they divorced, and eleven when he married Lisa. Yeah. When when Eddie married Lisa, yeah. So, yeah, it's 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 an interesting one. What do you what do you wish people knew? What would you tell someone who was sort of contemplating this, or or is ready to jump in, or is at the beginning of a of a blended family? What what advice, or what would you do? What do you wish they knew? I mean, everyone's di- everyone's dynamic and everyone's situation is a little bit different, but I think knowing at least that it's not going to look like uh, there's going to be a new normal, and I think you have to understand that there's going to be some tough times, and people are going to be. One thing we've also agreed on is no surprises with, with so much, so many kids going on there. If I tell Liz, "Hey, let's not get each other a present for Christmas for you know for whatever reason," uh, then we don't do it, or uh, we, we try to give each other some. That sounds space, like a really mean we, one. It does sound mean. <laughs> I, I always like, give Liz we just presents mean, for say Christmas. Say what we mean. Say what, what we mean. Say what yeah. we mean. But and so no surprises. That's kind of worked well for we, us. We also learned to do things like we for us. We carved out a little a room for every child. That was something. And some of the rooms were very small, but we kind of wanted a little space where everyone had, even if it weren't their own room, but everyone had their own little space where they could kind of go to, and it's a safe place for them mm. where you can kind of have some time to process. We learned to do vacations. Very few vacations did we do the whole family. It was it, anything two, times nine is a yeah, lot. Yeah, but it was also overwhelming yeah. to plan, and so we did a lot of times where I take one of his kids and one of my kids, mm. and it was and so it was manageable at that level. And just learning to do some things that seemed like, no, the whole family has to be together because we're not trying. No, I think you can do things differently. Mm. And so that was something that was something we learned that I think. That was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's something I'd never thought of that. Don't don't put everybody together. It's okay not to put everybody (laughs) together. We tried a few times and it could get crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Did your kids did. I mean, for the most part, did they get along? Was it I mean, it was surely there's. You know, you some can, hard you, things. Yeah, I I think for the most part they really friends. did. They're good yeah. kids, and now they're you know they're they they all get along. Um, I I think there's natural loyalties to your own blood siblings and mm-hmm. to your blood parent. I I think there's a natural loyalty there, and that doesn't change just because you're now married. And 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 so you have to acknowledge that, and not be upset with the kid because they don't see everybody exactly the same. I think you mm-hmm. need to be able to meet people where they're at and. I, I don't know. I think we 
did okay at that sometimes. And you can't go all those years also of not nurturing somebody and then kind of just think you can just kind of come in and say, okay, now I'm the boss and I'm in charge and everything. And they're just going to be like, wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) This doesn't happen that way. And so he was his kid's soft spot and I was my kid's soft spot. And they did. They gravitated. I was a safer place. And that's just how it was. Yeah. It wasn't mean. It's a comfort. Yeah. Well, and the real blessing we had um, is grace. And we had six kids and our family's like, are you really thinking about another one? And grace has been a blessing because uh, she belongs to everybody. And that's the nice thing is uh, yeah, or she, she's the connector. And long after we're gone, she'll be the one that ties it together. Yeah. And I think that's that's how Spencer felt about his two youngest, which were the two together. And his two youngest siblings are certainly and then his his other he has another sibling from the from his um, mom and stepdad. And so those those three sort of hide everybody you know the families really together where and- i say you know mike mike's youngest son maybe wouldn't have come out before and sat on the bed alone with just me once we had grace and the baby was in there on the bed well then it was approachable and he could come in and it was comfortable oh, so that-, that just you know softened yeah. things and made him feel like he had a place i love that well we want to continue talking about all the amazing things you guys are doing now and we'll do that when we come right back It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back here with Liz Mauer and Mike Mauer, uh, my my favorite couple and uh, America's fun couple. <laughs> we are, but the, you guys do amazing work outside of your work with the with the state and outside of your uh, you know your other jobs and all the things you're doing, parents and and that you're doing so much good in the world and um, making Utah such such a better place. And one of the things that you guys together and and us, we've been involved in is uh, our work with refugees. Um, and Liz, you've, you've done so much. And we, we just did this, this event with our, with the spouses of the legislature where we went to the grocery stores and took these families and you helped plan that with our service service initiative for show yeah. up. So talk a little bit about that and maybe some experiences you guys as a family have had with, sure. with refugees. Well, we knew as the, I serve on your show up committee and we knew as a um, committee, we wanted to come up with something that would involve the legislative spouses during the session. So we brainstormed together and came up with this idea that um, obviously refugees are something that's close to my heart and we wanted to, uh, show that this was a nonpartisan issue, something that we could come across the aisles. So we named this um, activity Across the Aisles, and um, we invited 17 newly arrived Afghan families to uh, three different Macy's locations, and uh, we paired them up with legislative spouses, usually a team of two of them, and they grocery shopped, and we gave them a, a heads up on a few things that they might like to get. I don't even know if you got that list, Abby. We did. I, yeah, blind. we had a list. Okay, and, and a few and, ideas. Yeah, so but we had a few we ideas. We were short on translators. That was the one thing that day. But actually, it made it a little bit more realistic to realize what, uh, I mean, these guys are navigating a whole new 
language and foods and packaging and I mean just pricing and that that's all of what、it. I saw was this、um, I, I mean I just things you don't think about like we go down and she wants we figure out she wants pasta and again we didn't we had a translator sometimes but she was kind of going between so we had this I mean you know you go to Macy's and there's a whole like. Huge section of all the different kinds of pastas, and then she goes. the The woman that we were with, she reaches for this pasta, and first of all, like she had no idea of pricing, so it's、right. like the most expensive because it was like gluten free pasta. Exactly, and I'm trying to explain to her what gluten free is, and and、right. the、that、language is- barrier. Anyway, it was it that said to me, oh my gosh, this is she was navigating huge, this on her own, yeah, which a lot of them are, and they we had to, I mean, even even we had to find rides for them to get there. There were just so many things obstacles that they have to go to, and and it it, but these people were, so, I mean, we had asked these. Families and the, they had see, each of them had such incredible stories. I mean, the lady that you worked with, her husband was killed by the Taliban, and just such incredible people. And they were, I don't know, I felt like it just everyone left that day from both sides, the, both the families that had received and the families that had that had been there to serve, just left with a, a different understanding of each other. And it just opened our hearts. And I think they felt that love from us, and we felt that from them. And it just, I, they're just. I feel like we crossed barriers that day, and it really was more than just giving money towards groceries. Even though we were so grateful, and they really were so grateful for yeah, that associated food. foods. Yes, stepped up. Big shout out big, to them. Big way. Yeah. So, but but it it accomplished more than that, and I think that's what I, what's what I love. I always try and find projects that connect us with people. You know, one of the first things that Mike and I became involved in.、Um, maybe Mike, I can have you talk about how was having some. Um, students come into our home, and these weren't just refugee students. These were tell them how it came about. Well, they're Chinese students, and I, I we have seven kids. I had a busy busy job, and I get、uh, email one day that says, "Hey, we have、um, some Chinese students, and your child will get extra credit if you take a Chinese student into your home for a few weeks." And I said, "Oh gosh, our kid could probably use extra credit. We'll sign up for two." <laughs> so I came home and I kind of forgot about it because I just did it at work, a bunch of emails. And then about two weeks、um, later, right before they arrived, we got this message, and I said to Liz,、uh, "Oh, Liz,、uh, we've got two Chinese students coming with us that I signed us up for." She's like, "Two? Yeah, we've got two coming." And and I said to Abigail, Abigail, I signed up so you can get extra credit for having these. We're having these Chinese students. She was a student at Salt Lake School for the Performing Arts. And Abigail said to me, Dad, I'm not even in that class. I'm not even getting the extra credit. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then、oh. you know, you know, it's one of those things. Late now, you think you've told your wife about, <laughs>、yes. but you haven't. You told you. You think in your mind, I have told、so、Liz this. That's happened so many, many times, times where my yeah, like, oh, like, we have oh, people we have coming dinner for dinner tonight. tonight. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, dear. Yeah, yeah. Liz was a good sport about it. The other kids are a good sport about it, and we learned so much from having these. So two that was our first,、there. our first foray into that.、Mm-hmm. Maybe,、um, right? They, they exactly. They cooked dinner for us, and they, they loved our kids, and it was such a great experience. It was great, and our kids to see. I mean, seven kids, a lot of kids to grow up in a household with. But it was very interesting. They were heading off to Disneyland the last day. Liz's these are kids that grew up in one 
child families. And as they're getting dropped off, one of them gave Liz a great big hug and started to cry and said, I'd rather stay with you than go to Disneyland. He (laughs) loved the family. He loved the closeness. So I thought it was so much fun that I signed us up for some more. Right. We've also worked with an organization, um, UCCD and um, Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy. Yes. And they have done, they've connected us with, they, we can host families or individuals in our home that are traveling internationally and they come over to Utah. And so we've, we've had dozens and dozens of over at our home for dinner mm-hmm. and they're from all different places in the world. And it's so, I mean, it's an easy thing to do, whether you're home with little kids, it's just something that I feel like you can do on any, any schedule. And it was so fun for our kids to meet people from all around the world. And we stay in touch with some of them. It's also kind of sad. We had a group eight years ago from Afghanistan. And at the time, uh, we were like, hey, are we okay taking your picture? Oh, yeah, put it up, put it up. Well, then the government fell, and I had to contact everybody at the dinner that we had invited to meet them. Please delete your social media accounts. We don't know if these people will suffer harm from mm-hmm. having come to America. It shows you uh, the world is a dangerous, spooky place in many places like the Ukraine right now and like Afghanistan right now. And boy, we take our, our, our freedom for granted so often and realize you, you get a chance to reach out uh, and meet with these people but realize, oh my word, there's some horrific circumstances on things we take for granted just like having dinner at an American's yeah. home. Yeah. Right. But we but also had three three young men from Iraq We did have fun. Yeah, and that's one thing we have seen is that for all the things that go on, our home can be a safe place that, that evening or for that time where they're comfortable and we find that teenagers and wherever they are in the world, that was surprising for us. You think maybe different cultures and they have some differences but a lot of the things were like the teenage boys just wanted to meet up with the girls and be on their phones and you know same same exact issues that our kids were were mm-hmm. you know we were doing with our kids and we thought oh, it doesn't matter where they come from and they had diverse de- you know one was a christian a syrian christian one was kurdish one was um uh, from the main city just traditional yeah. muslim and it was just we still stay in contact with them they're friends of ours and and they were friends with each other they weren't originally, you know, they were from different cultures and different parts of the, but that program brings them together. And so we've just had unique opportunities where we can connect with people. We have a family that lives here in, you know, in Salt Lake that, that doesn't, it, that's from the Congo and they have just become dear friends of ours. They came over to cook dinner at our house. We, we brought them over to our house a few weeks ago and we cooked dinner with them. We just laughed and laughed. We'd gone to the grocery store with them and they picked out what they wanted and we'd never heard of any of the items they bought and we, they'd never heard of our items. We ate salmon and mashed potatoes. I thought those seemed, that's what I taught them how to cook and they were, They'd never made those before, so they were taking notes, and and we just it was so much fun. We just laugh with them, and well, the cool thing is there are a lot of opportunities to do it, but a lot of times people aren't aware that they're out there. So again, there are groups, uh, for example, the Women of the World that works with refugee women. Because so often women are the backbone of their families and their communities and are so hardworking, that organization helps them. The Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy is another one. Um, Liz volunteers at the Humanitarian Center teaching uh, civics every week to refugees from around the world. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints does a wonderful job in bringing in people and trying to give them employment and skills. And while they're doing that, um, giving them some education as well. So there are a lot of opportunities throughout Utah and kind of my message in, in community outreach for the governor is get involved. And it may be refugees. It may be the homeless. It may be uh, your son's baseball team or your daughter's soccer team. But we're a state that prides ourselves on giving back. 
and and it was um, and that's the key thing. That's what we try to do. Our our focus has been kind of international because we've enjoyed it. But there are so many other areas where people can get involved, and so many areas where we need them to get involved. Yeah, I, you know, people say, "Oh, Liz, you do so much with refugees," and the reality is, I do. I'm I'm a I'm an example of an everyday person who has a normal life that's busy, but that does find, finds little moments to be able to do things. And I've been able to do that. And I, a lot of these things, like um, the UCCD, we with them, we bring in families to our home. So that's a simple thing I can just do when I have a chance. There's some, they're just starting that up again. They're bringing in people from like 12 different countries this month alone. And you can mm. just go sign up and have them invite a, a some people to come to your home for dinner. That's really simple. Or like the Hope for Afghanistan. That's where I connected with these refugees um, that we brought to the event. They, You can sign up and just volunteer to do like the that one day, give a ride to the grocery store. You just drive them or you can help their kids or their kids are starting in school here and the parents don't speak language. So you help their their kids with their homework a little bit. They're just very manageable kind of things. Like, you know, you can sign up to teach an ESL class like I do. I do that through the ESLC. They just give me some training and I... I, I landed at the humanitarian center, but you can do it other places. I mean, there, there's that. That's a little bit more time commitment. I do that an hour a week, yeah. you know. But but a lot of the things are just a ride here or things there that people could do, or they could have a family over, or, or they can put together. We with our book group one time, we uh, read a book on education, and we we built backpacks for refugees, mm-hmm. serve refugees. They'll tell you everything they need to have in the backpack. And all I did is told people in the group, you bring this, you bring this. And we put together 10 backpacks that night and it was easy. Yeah. So there's just some th- things you can do and include your kids. And yeah, and what and it's it's a beautiful thing that you're doing, because I think when when we do get proximate to somebody that has a different story than us, um, we are enriched and our families are enriched. And and we do hear these stories. You know, I our first experience, you talk about having a whole bunch of kids kids and you bring these people I don't know why my parents did that but we were we were I was probably in middle school high school when we had an exchange student from from Costa Rica mm-hmm. and I've always had this connection to Costa Rica ever since and and years and years and years later I Spencer and I were actually went on a trip to Costa Rica and I looked him up and when we had dinner with him and it was so crazy cuz it had been since I was in high school that I had, that I'd seen him and it, anyway it was just a really cool experience and and I have a connection to Costa Rica now because I just I love that. Well, and it's really cool and that's one of the cool things about Utah is that we have so much connectivity. Um the last 2 weeks have been absolutely horrific with what's been going on in the Ukraine or in uh, but what's been so nice to see is how many Utahns have deep, sincere ties to that part of the world and are stepping up to help in a big way. And those who don't have ties to that area of the world who are stepping up to help yeah. out in a big way. And and it, it is. It's a small world. I grew up in the small town of Farron, but my mother was the type who, if she visited a national park, she would invite the guests from Germany to come to our home. So we always had people coming into our home, the Japanese exchange students, or dad knew I was interested in politics, so he'd invite the attorney general when he came to Farron, come by our house for breakfast, or the congressman. So we, my parents were the type that really opened up their homes, mm-hmm. and we've tried to do the same thing because it is, it's how you get proximate. And once you know someone from those countries, boy, it changes your world perspective. One thing we've said is this next generation, our kids' generation, does so much better mm-hmm. than we do at connecting and seeing people for who they are. And and I wanted my that was part of my motivation is I wanted my kids to see me doing that too. 
Yeah. And they, I knew that they would fit right in if I brought people in the home or whatever. They, they could just, that was, they knew how to handle it. Yeah. And I think that's really rewarding to see as a parent that it, I, sometimes people find this is, they think it's so difficult to do, but it, believe me, your, your next generation will just know right how to handle it. That's exactly right. And, that, and that's what I, you know, my parents taught us that. I mean, we were, I remember, you know, we had several, you know, we had exchange students from, from Japan. We had them from Costa Rica and then, I remember you, this just reminded me when you said that, that we were, I think we were just on a picnic up in the mountains one day and ran into a couple from Switzerland and they became just dear friends. They came down to the farm um, for every year. They, they would travel on their, in their RV from like Canada to Mexico. And just, that was just their, what they did now as in their retirement from Sweden and Every time they came through, they stopped at our farm for a week and put their. <laughs> I love that. Put their their camper there, yeah. and we, they, we'd ride horses with them, and we'd do all this stuff, and they just became really dear friends to us. And um, Hans and Trudy. <laughs> I don't remember their we, last names. Uh, ours were Peter and Nina yeah. from Germany. So you just it's yeah. it's funny that, and I think you know my I remember somebody, and my mom had they had a Navajo girl that lived with them. Um, Mm-hmm. Angie Joe and and when I was very little she mm-hmm. she lived with us and so I one one time somebody said to my mom you you collect people and she already <laughs> had 10 kids but she she just collected people mm-hmm. and that's I think it enriched my life and it made me be able to look outside of of my own little world and connect with with people that have a different story so it's 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 a very cool experience I love that you guys are doing that and you're a great example of that. Um, we want to continue this conversation. You've done a ton of stuff around our interfaith communities as well, and we want to talk about that when we come right back. We're back here with Liz and Mike Maurer. We are talking about, um, we've talked a lot about refugees and, and connecting with other people and different cultures and how it enriches our lives. Let's also talk about the work that you've been doing in our interfaith community. You guys do a lot to bring all different faiths together um, throughout the state. And um, yeah, let's just talk a little bit about what you guys have been up to there. Well, it's it's one of the things um, on, a, on a personal note. I grew up as a kid where uh, I always swore if there if we could go to six hours of church on Sunday, my father would have us do it. And whenever we traveled. <laughs> How do you do it too? It's oh, good he was- <laughs> two was kind of a shock. Um, but they're very devout people, wonderful, wonderful parents. Um, but it's interesting. You become your parent. So I love to travel and visit different faith groups. Um, in fact, last year we tell the story. Liz took the two two of the girls to Hawaii, um, and I was supposed to go. And I said, you know, I'm trying to go to church in all 50 states. I've never been to church in South Dakota. Do you mind if I skip out on Hawaii? So he stayed home from Hawaii and went to church in South Dakota. And <laughs> and if anybody knows, Mike, I took my girls to Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is not uh, that won't shock you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got in a Catholic mass in in uh, Leeds, South Dakota, as well as uh, uh, Episcopal service, and had enough time left over for a Presbyterian. So I <laughs> I love different churches. I love faith. I love how faith unites communities and um, organized religion of whatever variety brings people together to do a lot of good for humanity. And one of the examples I've tried to follow here in Utah is uh, Pamela Atkinson. And Pamela has spent years working to unite people 
uh, of many different faiths and and to get them involved in the community and to make them feel that they have a, a voice and are an important part of the community because they do and they are. And so um, – there are times when uh, we're united because of tragedies in religious communities, uh, the, the, the challenges the, – the, not challenges, but the terrible shootings that took place in, in Pennsylvania uh, at the synagogue. And that's when we get together with, with Chabad and, and the Zippels and also with Rabbi Specter and Congregation Kolomi and, and our other uh, religious Jewish congregations around uh, the state. Same thing goes for our Muslim community when they've had challenges. Liz and I not too long ago were at the mosque in West Jordan greeting all of these Afghan refugees who had literally just arrived a day or two before and were totally shocked and were trying there to help them out. And again, it's it's a faith-based community that's uniting people and helping them. But the goal is to make sure that we're crossing uh, – you know, we're getting to know each other. And, you know, one thing I encourage people to do is uh, it's great to go to your own faith or not. That's – you know, we, we've got freedom of religion. But but attend a church that isn't your own – you know, that isn't your own denomination. Find out wh- what it's like at a, uh, at a at a Baptist service or an evangelical service. Uh, our friend the Ogilvies invited us up a couple of weeks ago to Ogden to go to Washington Heights Church, and it was a wonderful worship, spirit-filled experience, and and we enjoyed that. And we got to know people a little better. So, so faith is is one way to do that, and it's something that that we encourage in the state, not not in a separation issue, but in a community outreach sort of issue, because a lot of times when there's a crisis and we need help for refugees, we look to Catholic community services or we look to some of our various religious denominations because we we need help. Government can only do so much and, the, and uh, our faith-based communities are so incredibly wonderful at reaching out and helping um, the, the homeless and, and those who are suffering and those who face so many challenges. And on a lighter note, one of the ways that Mike thanks Pamela Atkinson for all that she does uh, if you know my husband, you know that he's known for his photos that he will send you at any hour yes, of indeed. the day. And so literally everywhere we travel in the world, whenever we see a Presbyterian church, my daughter that's here is nodding her head. He'll yell, pull over! And we have to get a picture of the Presbyterian church and he will send it to Pamela. So she has received hundreds of pictures. I have been with him when we've <laughs> yes. done that. Do you remember when we were in Cleveland? And we were actually driving around. Looking for a Presbyterian church mm-hmm. for Pamela to take a picture to send her, and we ran into the Christmas, Christmas story house <laughs> on accident. <laughs> Perk for us. <laughs> it was great. But in I kind al- of a sketchy part of Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> kind of was. But I always think of Pamela wherever I go, and every time I see a Presbyterian church, I'm like, I've got to let Pamela know. Well, I'm and thinking of her. We had our, one of the favorite things that we do every year is go to Pamela's. Presbyterian Church and is the beautiful church on South Temple. And every October, she invites us to be a part of Reformation Sunday services where she they come and it's the most fun church it my tar- kids have is. ever the been Tartans. to. Curtain yes. all the Tartans. Curtain all so the Tartans. Yes. And I keep threatening, I'm going to bring my Tartan in one of these days. <laughs> I love it. She <laughs> would, she would get be it fine with it. Uh, yeah, we, well, my grandpa was really one of the big things he was involved in. He, he b- worked with the, um, the Christians, Jewish, and the Muslims. And um, he really was funded a lot of DNA research. And that was a big thing that he did. Um, 
And, and he just believed that if people could find out how they were connected to each other, then they would see each other differently. And and that, you know, in, in our faith communities are really, I just, I'd love to encourage anyone's faith that they have. And we just need all that goodness. And mm. I, I just love it. I don't, not the same faith as me. I'm not, that doesn't bother me a bit. I yeah, just, let's just bring us all together. The, and The tribalism surrounding yeah. religion and yeah. just come together and appreciate all, yep. all all, all good. I yeah. believe all good comes from God. And so I just want to celebrate all good. I love that. I love that. So we'll much. talk about, uh, I know your yeah. work. Uh, right. We're every, as we're doing these, this, uh, one, two, three challenge with, uh, Abby Cox's serve up, show up service. Uh, we're highlighting different communities around the state each month and their efforts to serve. And May will be religion month. And we'll, we're just going to be reaching out to different, denominations and different um, parts around the state to get together with their congregations and participate in some kind of service project. We'd love to be involved if they let us know about it. Uh, Maybe we'll show up and surprise you at one of your um, activities. And so um, just planting that seed, but I will be reaching out to specific pastors and, and um, all different denominations around the state. Yeah, so we're we're excited about this. This is just a time to really connect with our communities, and we know that this is the thing about Utah. We're not we're not doing anything new here, because right. Utahns are serving. They, you know, we're just we just want to recognize it as a tool to bring our communities back together. It's it's an interesting thing that's happened through the pandemic that the. In world crises, as as we're seeing right now in Ukraine and Russia and the things that are going on there, we see these – it really is kind of another global crisis. And when those things have happened in the past and, and currently, it's a time for us to really reflect as a country and, and as a state and communities to really – depend on each other, come together. How can we serve together? We've always done that. We did that during 9-11. We've done that, you know, that it was done during World War II. It it was done in a lot of these times of global crisis and community crisis. We come together. COVID was such a unique crisis that it was literally something that we couldn't do. We couldn't come together. Right. We literally had to stop going to church or, or at least, you know, it, it Getting changed together, gathering. in a lot of ways. I mean, there were there were a lot of things that changed and we were actually pulled apart. And I think that's why we saw so much uh, fear and outrage and anxiety. And because we we need each other, we're wired for connection. And I think what. I think the purpose be to, behind our service initiative is not to say, oh, we aren't serving enough. We really need to get Utah out there serving. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to show what Utahns are all about. And it's a it's a time to bring people back together after COVID and and really connect as communities. And I just think this is a beautiful way to do it. And I think... Um, so yeah, if you have a project, if you want to start thinking of it, about it in your congregation, in your, you know, with, with your, with your fellow congregants, what, what you want to do. And then we, we would love to show up at your show up project. I love it. Yeah. 
Well, Utah has been so wonderful. Um, I remember one of the most touching moments I've had. I've had the opportunity now to work for three um, great governors, but it was when Katrina took place. And I'm standing with uh, Pamela and Governor Huntsman as as they literally unload people from the plane from New Orleans who had no idea where they were going. And they ended up here in Salt Lake. And who were the first groups to reach out and help out? It was our church communities. And then two other times when we've had severe windstorms and trees are down all over the place and the governor activates, Governor Herbert activates the National Guard and they can do so much. But who's getting so much of it done? Church groups, yeah. uh, church youth groups with chainsaws and and men and women with pickup trucks and they're loading them up. And one group even took a lot of this, uh, of the down trees to the Navajo Reservation to help in that part of the state. And so time and again, when there's a big challenge, um, it's it's Ute- all Utahns coming together, but particularly our church groups who are organized and and can take on specific projects and and help make things a heck of a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me ask you this last question before we end. Um, can you think of a Utahn that has influenced you? Somebody that you look up to that that sort of embodies all this stuff we've been talking about. Is there somebody that comes to mind that you? That you can well, think of. mine's a cheat because I'm going to call. I'm going to say my grandmother, Beverly Taylor Sorensen. She started Artworks for Kids, and I. She just was the embodiment of believing that you could do it, and she always made you feel like you were the most important person in the room, and she always saw you for who you were, and she she always dreamed big, and she accomplished big, and I, I love driving by schools now and just seeing her name that the programs are still carrying on, and she was she's mine. But that's kind of a cheat because I. <laughs> No, She's I think good. it's beautiful. But, she, but yeah. she was. She was in every bit of my hero. Well, and I would say uh, I've, I've mentioned Pamela Atkinson, and we all love Pamela. I would also say uh, Governor Olin Walker. Olin Walker was a real trail, trailblazer. And this week we're commemorating International Women. Um, and she was so hardworking and cared so much about people and and um, would sleep like four hours a night and earned a Ph.D., and I have to remember, uh, I, I, I've worked with governors. I know how incredibly busy their schedules are. And I'll never forget, she took the time as governor to come down to my late wife's viewing. And I, w- I was talking to Amanda Covington, and Amanda talked about, oh, she had a child, and the governor rearranged her schedule, and she's uh, Amanda's in the hospital with her new baby. Who shows up? Governor Walker. I mean, that was the kind of person she was. And um, Utah's been blessed with with wonderful leaders. We have we have governors that care. We have good, honest people who are who are doing the right thing um, for the right reason. And I think uh, Governor Walker was certainly one who uh, embodied that. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. Um, I I guess you know if 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 I were to pick somebody, it's, it's really hard. You know, there's been so many people in my life. But I've talked a lot about my grandfather who was in World War II. He was actually, you know, he was shot um, on Iwo Jima and survived. And um, But I think mostly about my grandma who was home and the, the, and she sort of embodies that whole generation of, of women who were doing really tough things yeah. um, on their own. And um, they they sort of built the foundation that that we stand on now. Those women who who kept it going. She she was actually pregnant with her second uh, child. Her daughter 
my aunt who was while her she had no idea if if my grandfather was alive or dead and in fact was sent a telegram saying he had died and they caught it before it got to her because they realized he wasn't dead and um so so you know these are these are women who who really you know her and her generation of women who who really held it all together yeah the greatest oh, generation were men and women. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we we have just an embarrassment of of riches here in Utah as far as as people who are giving and generous. And I count you two as two of them. And I'm so thankful that you were here today to share your stories. Well, thank you so much. And 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 we love what you're doing. And your your focus is services, first lady. I mean, it blesses a whole lot of lives. Every everyone from kids in foster care to uh, refugees, to, you know, so many others that you're reaching out and helping. Yeah, Thank I, you. Yeah, I, I meet a lot of different people with my husband's job and and um, some people just or because of my family relationship and you can be suspect of some people why they want to know you and, and the connections they can make. But Abby, you've always been genuine and you're a true friend and I Thank you for having us here today. And now we sound very serious, but we're actually a lot more fun than this. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. If you'd like to get involved in some of the organizations that we talked about today, they are Utah Council for Citizen Diplomacy, ESLC, Women of the World, Boards.Utah.gov, Hope for Afghanistan, and Serve Refugees. Thanks for being a friend.